Well, if you've got your Bible with you today, uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I trust you come expecting today to get something. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful today for your word, for the truth it brings to our lives. We ask you to speak to us now, to direct our steps and order our paths. May each person be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord now on each one. And as we speak your word, I thank you that it produces fruit in the lives of every hearer. In Jesus' name, amen. We started a series a few weeks back called I Choose, and uh, I want to continue with those uh, thoughts today and, and look at some of the Word of God to help us in this area. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Can, can, can you see that whether we experience life or death or whether we're blessed or cursed, it's not up to God. It's not up to somebody else. It's not up to my family. It's not up to my, it's not up to the government, not up to the economy, not up, not up to any. No, it's up to me. The Lord says I can choose it. Amen. I can choose to live a blessed life. I can choose to have life in my life. This, is, this, this statement is a, is a blanket statement. It, it, it involves every single one of us. None of us are excluded. You can't opt out of this and say, well, it's not up to me. Or what's happened to me has nothing to do with me. No, no. This is before all of us. We can choose life and blessing. Thank God we can. Doesn't that give you hope and, and expectation for tomorrow? I mean, it doesn't matter how things have gone in the past. But I choose today to walk in the life and blessing of God all my days. And God's given me that that opportunity and that privilege to, to make that choice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Isn't He good? I, I want to I talk to you a little bit today about um, making quality decisions, about making a choice in such a way where six weeks down the road, your choice is not evaporated. <laughs> Many times people make a decision for life and they're going the right direction one day, but then again a few weeks later, a few months later, sometime down the road, it's as if they didn't make that choice because they slipped back into the old way of doing things. And we've got to get to a place where we can make choices that stick, where I decide to do something and heaven and earth can be moved, but I, I'm, I'm staying. I am not going to change from what I'm, I've decided to do, okay? And the Bible gives us a couple examples of people. The first one is in Daniel chapter 1, uh, and this is Daniel, of course. Daniel chapter 1, when he was captive with Israel, of course, in, um, in Babylon, and Daniel made this statement in verse 8, where he said, the Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, 
nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Okay, and you see the situation that Daniel's in, but notice that language he used. He purposed in his heart. Can you see that that's not just a flippant decision? It's not just, Daniel had an idea one day. I think I'm not going to eat of the king's delicacies. I'm going veggie, right? And uh, how many know, if, if, you, if a person just kind of has a whim like that, every time, uh, you know, the kitchen's going, <laughs> and mm, I'll just have one of those, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is an example because food is one of the strongest desires and cravings that, that human beings have. And, uh, and many of us have, you know, had challenges where we change our diet in some way. We choose to eat a certain way. And how many know that food's screaming at you? <laughs> and uh, because it's calling you, has your name written all over it. And Daniel made this for, for spiritual reasons. And he made this commitment. And he was just going to eat the bare minimums there and not eat of the king's delicacies. Uh, but the way he made the decision tells me it wasn't just a passing thought. Oh, that'd be a good idea. I think I'll do that. No, it was something deeply rooted inside of him where he purposed in his heart to act a certain way. And because of the quality and the way he made that decision, he was able to follow through. The smells were coming by. You know, they're cooking and bringing out the stuff he's seeing everybody else eat, and he's eating his corn. <laughs> know what I'm talking about and uh, ooh, that sure looks good but so, the, the way he made that decision helped him to stick with it okay uh, another example is over in Acts chapter 19 his corn on the cob didn't have any butter butter <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, Acts 19, look at verse 21 with me. It said, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit. Notice that language. He purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So again, Here's an example, and it uses language that we might not be used to uh, articulating on a regular basis, where we don't oftentimes say, I purposed in the Spirit. You know, you know what I'm talking about? But they did use that language on, on a few occasions. And again, what that communicates, what I see in that, is it wasn't just a small choice. It wasn't just a passing thought or a flippant decision. He made a decision that no one could move him off of. It was not something that he, again, just had the thought one day, but it was well thought out, prayed about. A quality decision had been made. Paul said, I'm going to Jerusalem. Say, well, why is that such a hard thing? Well, listen, it wasn't like Paul's just saying, hey, I'm heading to Rome. I think I'll swing by Jerusalem on the way. I love the weather this time of year, and uh, I think it'd just be a great trip. I'm going to stop by the mini mart there and get something on the way and and uh, it's just really going to be a fun time seeing some old friends and no 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 he made a decision based on what he believed God wanted him to do and he made that by purposing in the spirit see what happened after that was everyone and their dog tried to get him to not go 
Everyone was coming up to him and saying, Paul, don't go there. No, 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 we, we beg you, don't go there. Do not go to Jerusalem. The prophet came to him and told him, when you go, you're going to get bound up. They're going to bind your hands and feet. They're going to take you away. And it's amazing. None of these things could move Paul off of his decision. And I know people have these kind of situations today where they decide, they make a choice to act a new way, to do a new thing, to something new in their life. And they've got people around them saying, no, you're not. (laughs) And they'll try to talk you out of it and talk you down and many times are successful. Or it may just be some other things that talk you out of it. But if we make a, a quality choice in the right way, we won't be able to be moved. It doesn't matter what happens around. Our, we're like, our feet are like roots planted in the ground. I mean, like a tree. You know, can pull the twig out, but you let the roots grow, let that thing um, develop, and you're going to have to get a chain and a tractor or something to pull that thing out, right? Uh, if you can really get that established in your choices for life. And because these things do concern life, blessing, death, and cursing, I want to make sure that certain decisions and choices that I make are well-rooted. They are established where I purpose inside of me to do something and no one can take it away from me. Amen. Now, don't be that way in all things. That's called stubborn. <laughs> the little things that don't matter, you know. Uh, you can have your mind changed on things. But when you make a good quality decision, you've put into it what's necessary to know that it's the right thing, and now you're not going to be moved from it. Can you think of anything like that might be like that in life? I, I can think of quite a few things that need that level of decision. And if it's not made that way, people back off. Okay? And six months down the road, it's as if this never even happened. It's as if they never made the choice. And then they feel guilty. And they feel bad about themselves. Ah, I blew it again. Decided to do it. You know, right this time of year, people are feeling bad about what they decided to do in January. Isn't that right? Ah, I'll start it over again next year. Well, they made a decision or they made a choice, but I think they could have made it in a better way to where it would have been more rooted inside of them. They can purpose in their heart to do things. Now, when we make choices, major decisions they should be strengthened with corresponding actions, okay? And I want to give you some practical tips here to help you make right choices. Here we go. Number one, write it down. And write this down too. (laughs) Number one, write it down. Don't let it stay in your mental realm. Don't let your choice be only a mind-established decision Get it outside of you into the physical world, okay? You're going to write it down on something, not something you can just tuck away and, you know, find it again five years later. But the second point is you want to keep it before you, okay? Write it down, and number two, keep it before you. You want to keep this decision, this good quality life-giving decision before you on an ongoing and continual basis. See, this will help this this decision to be a one-time permanent decision in your life where you're not going back and forth, okay? When uh, when I was growing up, I was around uh, 10 or 11 years old, and we were a family like most families, like many of you, and uh, uh, in regards to our bathrooms, okay? 
And uh, my mother made a decision that we were going to become a family that closed the lid. All right. We were like some of you, lid open. You know, you go into the house and there's the water. Go ahead. <laughs> and you just got to look at the water. And, uh, and, and, but we knew that there was a lid there and it was probably there for a reason. And uh, anyway, she, so she determined that our family was going to be a close the lid family. And, you know, those kind of habits can be a challenge <laughs> to break, uh, you know, to remember. So what she did is she went and put a little note on all of the toilets. And so every time you go to use a toilet, you see the sign that says, close lid, close lid. And uh, you know what happened? It worked. It really did. We really did. We became a close the lid family. And after a period of time, every time we use it, we see close the lids, we close the lid. Then after a while, the notes weren't necessary anymore. And for all these years, I closed the lid. I've converted Amy to a close the lid person. <laughs> and uh, if I come to your house and the lid's open, I'm going to close it. If you come to my house, you better close it. <laughs> Sometimes I go to public places and there is no lid. That's a problem. <laughs> Why do you make a toilet without a lid? <laughs> But the point is here, now, what's your decision? What choice are you making to alter your life or to do a certain thing? And uh, you want to avoid it just being, oh, yeah, I remember when I decided to do that, and it's no longer no longer operative in your life today. You want to write it down. You want to keep it before you, all right? And you know, listen, if you want to close the lid, that's probably not a big deal. But whatever it is, some things that are small like that, that are not, you know, really super important, uh, a lot of times having success in making life alterations can empower you to make major decisions that are right, okay? People are, too many people have gotten themselves into a habit of deciding, supposedly deciding to do all kinds of things, and they never follow through. You need to break that pattern, all right? It's because of, not because of toilet lids, but because of bigger decisions that do mean more. In, in your life, you want to be able to stick to something and never let it go. And so you keep it before you uh, again and again. Here's number three. Number three, you want to tell a friend. Tell a friend. Phone a friend, tell a friend. Uh, let somebody know about your decision. Maybe it might be a family member, might be a relative. Uh, when you decide to do something and it's a serious decision, tell somebody else. Don't just keep it with you. Say, but if I tell somebody else, then if I blow it, they're going to know. Exactly. <laughs> tell somebody who's a good person, amen, and that, that will help you and that will strengthen you. And what we're doing is your choice is being more developed and more established the more of these things you do. You write it, you keep it before you, you tell somebody else, now they're involved. Now they talk to you about it. Now if you do the wrong thing, there they are. You know, it's kind of the it's kind of one of the reasons uh, we have other people at our weddings, right? Remember, there's witnesses. <laughs> you say, "Oh, junk! Somebody was there. <laughs> ah, I'm caught." 
Yeah, well, well it, witnesses that say, I, uh, um, by the way, I was there when you told her, when you told him that you would, you know, as long as you both shall live. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it helps to be established in a person's life. You know, think about this. Salvation works this way. The Word of God does not teach us that when a, a person should call on the Lord, be saved, and then that's it. We'll see you in heaven. Bye. See you up in heaven. No. A person is born again, and that work is complete. They're completely washed and cleansed, and forever that will be. But the Lord says, now you need to be baptized in water. Well, why? You know what? Some of the reason for that is it's not spiritual. It's mental. It helps a person be established in their choice to serve the Lord. Because now it can't just be a passing thought. It wasn't just uh, an emotional pull. Now they have to get wet. You know what I'm talking about? They're going to get all ready. They're going to learn a little bit about it. They're going to get prepared. They're going to go into the water in front of other people. They're probably going to be a testimony or something. The Lord never wants a person to get saved all by themselves and then keep it private. This is my little private relationship with God. Well, that's... You're opening up yourself for, for, for failure if that's, if that's the way you treat it. Our relationship with God is supposed to be a public thing. It's supposed to be out there. It's something we get baptized in, and this is a, a serious decision. That's, and all these things are reinforcing the good quality choice for life that we make so that six months down the road, six years down the road, or 60 years down the road, here we are. So why are you here? I made a choice. I made a choice. I know of a person who, they, when they were a teenager, they, uh, older man, well, went to heaven now, but uh, he, he, he always used to walk through this restaurant on, I forget the reason for that, and he, he got in the habit of every time he would walk through there, he would fill up his, his Coke and with the machine. And so he was doing that all through the day, and, and at one point he realized, I'm doing this too much. I'm doing this too much. So he said, I'll never have another one of these as long as I live. So he went through his whole life, died in his 80s, never had another one. I don't know about you, that seems kind of like he's able to stick to his choices. <laughs> right? Now, if you don't want to make that decision, don't. I'm not telling you to. Don't be flippant with decisions. Don't be, decide, don't be saying, I'm never going to do this, or I'm always going to do this, if you know you. <laughs> but if it is worth the decision to make, then take some steps. You know, it's a prayerful decision. It's you've got people around you that maybe have a, have given you wise counsel, and if you're going to make certain decisions, you do it thoughtfully, considerately. But then you lock in. And you say, "I will not be moved," and no one will talk you out of it. Okay. And so uh, the kingdom of God works that way. But tell a friend number four. Number four, commit to an action. Number four, commit to an action. In other words, I don't want this decision to just be in my mind or just on a piece of paper or just between me and a friend. I need to physically, mentally, emotionally involve myself in something that supports my choice for life. Okay? Uh, you know, sometimes I know this happens with, with some people. Uh, they take their family goes in and out of uh, church fellowship. And being a part of a local church. They say, we're really going to start being involved. And they do it for a little bit. And then they'll stop. 
and then they'll start again later and they'll stop. They're not bad people. They just they just need some help with their decision. You know, a good decision, you know, a good thing that helped that is you should get involved. You not only say I'm going to attend, but you commit yourself. You put your name on the line somewhere, so where to where you're actually doing something. That will change that choice from being like all the other choices you've made. You know, whatever it is, whatever life decision you make, but it's not just about deciding. It's about doing something. Daniel made the choice, and he started eating different. He went and talked to the chef right away. I'd like to do this. He put actions to it. Paul said, I'm going, and he went. <laughs> it's not just about, I decide to do something, and, and, and that's the full extent of it. What kind of program, what kind of service, what can you physically get involved with that is in connection with your choice. I read something recently that said that in 20 of the world's most primitive languages, the word for belief is the same as the word for do. Belief and do. And I got to tell you, from my studies of the New Testament, that principle bears out with belief and obedience. Okay? But we have, what we have done, we've become educated and sophisticated and, and we tear everything apart. And now people will say, I believe this, but they do something else. That is crazy. That is a misnomer when people start to say, I have this belief, but I have this action. I believe this, but I'm just not doing it yet. That's not correct. That person doesn't believe that. You know, that friend of yours that say, oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord. He's, I believe in Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. But they don't live like a Christian. They're lying. So I don't care what you call yourself. You call yourself Christian this, Christian that. You, you say you believe this, believe that. Nonsense. Believing and doing is the same thing. Hmm. And so when it comes to our decisions, the choices that we make, I don't want to just be proclaiming, this is what I'm going to do. This, no. You know what I, what I ought to be involved with? Doing it. That is the proof of my belief. All right? That shows that I really have something that I believe in it because it has changed my activity. It has changed my life. Now, James chapter 3. Turn there with me. Today, there are many voices in the world that speak to us. They're all vying for our attention. All want our obedience and uh, we've got to watch out for distractions, okay? Weak souls get distracted. We want to strengthen our, our, our souls uh, so that our decisions, our choices are undergirded, okay? Um, James chapter 3, verse 15, this portion talks about two wisdoms. Notice verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic talking about a type of wisdom notice the three words earthly sensual and demonic whenever whenever the the devil or demonic spirits want to get involved with something notice that it's always going to be in conjunction with the earth or we might say the world or sensual or the flesh that they really are on the same team providing the same voice. And when it comes to our discussion, this is contrary to a choice for life. Whenever you make a choice for life, you will be surrounded by, uh, in, in our world, voices that are contrary to that 
life and blessing choice. Things that try to undermine the strength of your decision get you to give it up, get you to quit, get you to toss it aside. And recognizing that the enemy works this way through the world and through the flesh, uh, we can purposefully put ourselves in position to receive and hear some voices and dismiss and resist others. Basically, three voices that we should all be aware of is, number one, the voice of the world. We need to know that there is the voice of the world. And uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. And so there is a lot of pressure on us to conform to the world's pattern, the world's system, the world's way of doing things. But note note that that voice is constantly talking. Because we live in this world, we have to recognize and deal with that voice. The second voice is the voice of the flesh. Like I mentioned uh, uh, earlier, the voice of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul said, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. And so, I don't know, have you ever noticed that your body talks to you? (laughs) Have you ever found you wake up and there it is? (laughs) I mean, we realize we're not a body. I'm not just a physical person. I actually live inside of my body. You live inside of you inside of your body we're looking out at each other through these little windows right and uh, when your body dies how many know you don't die when your body keels over there you are looking at it hmm? saying thank you lord <laughs> see ya wouldn't want to be ya and uh and then your angels there and and uh we're going to heaven thank you lord thank you lord directly <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. Uh, But I'm not a body, but my body must be kept in check. It must be kept in line. I must say no to it frequently because it will want to do things that I don't want to do because I'm a child of God. I've been made new. His love is in me. His strength is in me. I don't want to do certain things, but my body will talk to me. Okay. Thing is about these first two voices, the world and the flesh, they're always talking. You can't really turn them off. There's not a switch. You just power down. And here I am. No, there, we're in this world. It's a fallen, sinful world. There, are, world. there are a lot of people that will try to talk you away from life choices. Um, and your body, of course, it can go contrary to you in, in that regard. But there is a third choice. See, the first two are like gravity. It's always on. They don't turn it off so airplanes can go up. Right? It's still working. It's still on at all times, but there is a way to overcome it. Just like there are ways to overcome and override gravity, there are ways to overcome the negative voices and and things that come against us in this world. And that's number three is the voice of the Word. And that's talking about the Word of God, the Bible. It it is the voice of the Word. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. Don't be poor in the Word. I mean, none of us want to be poor really in anything in life, but, you know, most important, more than any natural thing, more than any dollar, more than any material item, never be poor in the Word of God because then you're truly poor. You're truly deplenished if you don't have a rich supply of God's Word. And here's the thing. Those other voices are always talking, 
the voice of the word is up to you whether you put yourself in position to hear it. And if I don't do that, guess what? I'm going to be bombarded night and day by these other voices. And how in the world am I going to make a good quality life decision that stands? How am I going to be able to commit to uh, doing, you know, the Word of God, doing what the Lord wants me to do if all I hear is negative stuff? I mean, listen, that's a hard situation to be in. I've got to add to this the voice of the Word and get it so cranked up, get such a full, rich supply. It's so, cr- it's so uh, loud that I, I'm drowning out all those other voices. They're still there, but I hear the Word. I hear God saying, you can do it. I hear God saying, I've empowered you and strengthened you, and you are my child, and I will lift you up and carry you out and take you through. Come on now. He's never tearing us down but lifting us up. Amen. But I've got to put myself in position now to have a rich supply. Say it out loud. Rich supply of God's Word in my life and to listen to that voice at all times. You cannot maintain victory in your life without a continual hearing of God's Word. It's kind of like, uh, basically the principle is, is this, Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If hearing the Word allows me to believe, had to have faith, and the Scripture also says in 1 John, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, right? So the Word produces faith which produces victory. How many know if I cut off my supply of the Word in my life, I hurt my, hate, hurt my faith and end up in failure and end up on my face? So the Word produces faith, which produces victory. I've got to continually listen to the voice of the Word. The voice of the Word will put me over and let me rise above all the other voices every single time. Now, where does the voice of the Word come from? Where does the voice of the Word come from? Let me give you three more things here today. Okay? Uh, thank God for threes. And toilet seats. I mean lids. Excuse me. <laughs> lids. Ladies. <laughs> Where does the voice of the Word come from? Um, it comes, first of all, this is really intense here now. You read your Bible. You read your Bible. This is first and foremost. If you want to access the voice of the Word and drown out all the things that are going to undermine every right decision you make, then you have got to continually and repetitively access the voice of the Word through reading your Bible. It's real simple, but oftentimes neglected. It's real basic, but it's just there. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. But listen, you continually do this, you'll start thinking just like God does. Because those are His thoughts. You'll start, you'll start, you know, a lot of times people have questions. They live in a question. <gasps> I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what. You know, it's just question, 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 question. But listen, when you, when you saturate your thinking with God's thinking, most of those questions will be answered. I used to live in a lot of questions. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't mean I don't have any questions now, but so many of those questions I used to have, it's easy. I like it when people ask me about it because it's just second nature to me. I know, I think like God does. Amen. 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 No, not perfectly, but increasing more and more Amen. because I put His Word there. Amen. You can. 
And you'll, get to, you'll start resisting people when they start quoting Isaiah, telling uh, you know, saying, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. That doesn't apply to us. That applies to wicked people. Come on now. People have so often separated themselves from God. God's here and we're here. Not if we've been saved. Now, I've been born again. I'm just like Him. And I feed on His Word and I start to think like Him. And His thoughts, many of them are my thoughts now. And His ways, well, that's the way I want to do it. I've adapted. Thank you, Lord. But it only comes by a continual listening to the voice of the Word. Okay? And so how does it, how does it come? First of all, you read your Bible. Me read my Bible. All right? Number two. Number two, the voice of the Word comes through ministry gifts. Comes through ministry gifts. God has, in His wisdom and, and, and love for us, placed giftings and, and, and placed His Spirit upon various people all around the world. And they're called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And God designed it this way that the body of Christ would hear the voice of the Word through people through ministry gifts. And so it would do us all well to never, ever cut ourselves off from ministry gifts. Okay? I believe that every Christian ought to have a pastor. Why? Because God made them. I'm not saying I should be everyone's pastor. No. There are many people. God is, but every person should have someone that has a, a genuine call and an anointing and a gift to speak the Word of God. It's one of the ways that God uses to speak to us. It's become popular, I know, these days in some circles for people to say, you know, I don't really uh, believe in organized religion. And, uh, you know, we don't really believe in religion either, do we? Uh, but... Uh, but, to, or, you know, and basically they say they want to be spiritual but not connected to anything organized like a local church. Okay. The, the problem with that is, is that's just not the way God said to do it. He told us to gather together. Why would he put a spirit on certain people to be pastors if there weren't supposed to be, quote, sheep? I mean, it doesn't make sense. And so we understand whenever the Lord tells us to do something, to be something, the devil's going to say the opposite. There's always going to be an opposing view, right? I mean, uh, God said to Adam, don't you eat from that tree. Satan came along and said, did God say? <laughs> you know, and he brought the opposing viewpoint, said, oh, you can go ahead and do that. Whenever there's another idea, another thought, that doesn't mean anything. It just means hey, there's probably something true about this that's being you know, being attacked, okay? And so it never does us any good to cut ourselves off from, from any of the main channels that God is going to use to get His Word to us. Again, it goes back to this. I choose life, and I'm supporting that choice with the right voice, okay? And the third one is the body of Christ. The third one is the body of Christ, where does the voice of the Word come from? It comes from the rest of us. God intends for each of us to be in and speaking in the lives of one another. 
I speak to you, you speak to me, not as pastor in this case, but as brother and sister and brother and brother in the Lord, we should be surrounded by the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ who also believe God. Okay, And this is another challenge. The enemy wants to cut people off from the right relationships that he has for them. He wants you to be separated from godly, Christian, right relationships in the body of Christ. Get out on your own or just be surrounded by those who have an opposing voice. And that is very detrimental to your continued uh, life of blessing and life in God. Okay, never let the enemy trick you to get you cut off from the body. I don't mean spiritually, you're not cut off, you're not rejected, but in practical terms, you need to be in proximity, rubbing shoulders with other people who believe like you do, who believe the word, not just people who call themselves Christians, (laughs) people who do, amen, their believing and their doing is the same. Surround yourself with people like that. And again, the enemy will work night and day to get you away from that. Know that that that's the case. He'll work night and day to cut off that supply of the Spirit. He wants you, the Lord wants you in the Word. He wants you to receive through ministry gifts. And He wants you to receive and hear the Word through the body of Christ at large. Through other people. Praise the Lord. Let me give you two scriptures in closing here today. And uh, I think it'd be a good idea for us to make it easy on ourselves by surrounding ourselves with voices of life. See, some people will strengthen you. They'll strengthen your right choices while others will weaken them. And it's really just a wise decision that we make. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed if I want to be a wise person what's the scriptural recommendation here get around wise people rub shoulders with wise people and that will get off on me okay listen to this this is the amplified Bible of that verse he who walks as a companion with wise men is wise but he who associates with self-confident fools is a fool himself and shall smart for it. Wow, it's interesting. Say, but I choose the Lord. I choose life. But with that decision, I must choose my companions. For I, my, the choice of my companions may completely fly in the face of and undermine my choice for the Lord and my choice for life. And then Proverbs 12, 26. 12, 26 says the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. It's interesting that the way of the wicked could lead the righteous astray. I mean, how sad is that? But notice, we must choose our friends carefully. Now, we're not talking about removing ourselves from the world and we don't have any associations with people who are ungodly or, 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 or not right with God. No, no, we're here to be a light in a dark place. We are salt of the earth. We don't, I'm not wanting to cut off relationships I have with unbelievers. Not for a minute. No, I want to be there for them. I, have, I know things they don't know. I have contact with someone who's greater than all. And I'm their only contact to him right now. I'm not talking about cutting things off, but I am talking about let's keep a tight connection. 
with the body, with right associations, with godly influences, with those who will speak life and not death, those who will build up and not tear down. Amen. And so I want the Word, and I want, uh, I want ministry gifts to speak into my life, and I want the body of Christ to be uh, one of the mainstays, the primary uh, groups that I associate with on a continual basis. And then when I choose life, I make a choice today for life, and next week, you know, the winds are blowing, the thunder's rolling, uh, but there's the Word. There's the voice of God's Word speaking to me as I read, as I step in church, as I talk to a friend on the phone. There's the voice of the Word coming back, and all of a sudden, I'm strengthened in my decision. Amen. 20 years down the road, there I am. Made a decision 20 years ago, and here I am. What are you doing? Well, I'm saved. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be uh, just run over by the world after I give my life to the Lord. Amen. This is a forever deal. Thank God. Thank God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this time we've had together today. Thank you for your word. We so value and treasure it. And Lord, for the decisions that we make, I believe you're helping us to sustain us and to keep us on path, to keep us going in the right direction as we act again and again to do what's right in your sight, to live in the grace and blessing of God all of our days. Thank you for your hand of favor now upon every one of us. For those who need to make decisions that will help their decisions. Choices of life that will reinforce enforce their choices of life. I thank you that you empower and strengthen and encourage them today with your word. So that these things can be realized and become established in us today. Thank you for your blessing on us now, each and every one. Father, I pray for those who come to church that are not in the blessing of God, the fact they've never been saved.